least one time this past week somebody offended you. Yeah, okay. Offenses will come. Double hands, yeah. Offenses will come. That's the reality. And we've been focusing on dealing with being offended in this series. Pat Cunningham notes the following. There's great power in our hands. It's the power to forgive a jerk bully, a jerk cheater, a jerk thief. It's powerful because it's unexpected. Jerks expect us to cry, run, or take revenge. The last thing they expect is forgiveness. That's why it's so disarming. Forgive them and tell them you forgive them. It could change their lives. He continues, it worked for me in both directions. To forgive an enemy frees my heart from resentment. To be forgiven by someone I have hurt frees my heart from guilt and makes it easier to right the wrong. So I focused last week on the question of what if I'm the offender? What if I'm the offender? Today I want to focus on the question of what do you do when dealing with a repeat offender? What do you do when dealing with a repeat offender? You know that person in your life that just loves to irritate you over and over again. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That person that they come and say, oh, I'm sorry. But then within the half hour, they're back at it again, offending you. They're a repeat offender. So what do you do when dealing with a repeat offender? Jesus gives us direction. In Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Luke 17, 3 and 4 says, So watch yourself, yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must what? Forgive. Now, let's look at how the New King James states this. Luke 17, 3 and 4 in the New King James says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. You shall forgive him. Now, in these words from Jesus, in which he shares about forgiving others, we note three things. The first thing we note is this. Jesus is concerned that we possess an attitude that desires to forgive and help those who offend us, rather than a spirit of revenge or hate. Once again, Jesus is concerned that we possess an attitude 
that desires to forgive and help those that, who offend us, rather than a spirit of revenge or hate. There were two little brothers, Harry and James, who had finished supper, and they were playing until bedtime. Somehow, Harry hit James with a stick, and tears and bitter words followed. Charges and accusations were still being exchanged as their mother prepared them for bed. She said, Now boys, what would happen if either of you die tonight and you never have the opportunity again for forgiving one another? James spoke up, Well, okay, I'll forgive him tonight. But if we're both alive in the morning... He better look out. (laughs) How often, like this boy, do we hold on to grudges and choose not to forgive others? But Jesus is telling us, if someone offends you and comes to you and says, forgive me, and they repent, he said, forgive me. Them. In other words, keep your heart open to release, to let go of the offense that that person has caused against you. The Apostle Paul penned these words in Romans 12, 19-21. He said, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, watch this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. See, what Jesus is pointing out, or the Apostle Paul here is pointing out, is this. That the way to overcome a spirit, mindset, attitude that is contrary to the Spirit of Christ, that is contrary to the precepts and principles that govern God's kingdom, is by acting in the opposite spirit. The way to overcome a mindset, an attitude... That is contrary to the Spirit of Christ and to the precepts and principles that rule in God's kingdom is through acting in the opposite spirit. Now, Bible teacher David Gusick commenting on this passage says, Is the heaping coals of fire on his head something good in the eyes of our enemy or is it something bad? It most likely refers to a burning conviction that our kindness places on our enemy. Or some think it refers to the practice of lending coals from a fire to help a neighbor start their own. An appreciated act of kindness. Nevertheless, we see that we can destroy our enemy By making him our friend. You see, in the kingdom of God, we are called to build bridges, not burn them. In the kingdom of God, we are called to build 
bridges, not burn them. So Jesus talks to us about the importance of maintaining a spirit that is ready to forgive. But then the second thing that Luke's gospel there in chapter 17 regarding Jesus' instruction teaches us is this. Forgiveness and reconciliation should not be given until the offending person acknowledges his wrong action and sincerely repents. Furthermore, Jesus was not referring to the same offense constantly repeated. This is the balance of what Jesus is instructing us in regarding dealing with a repeat offender. First, be willing to forgive them when they come. But he also points out, you forgive when there's signs of repentance. This is important because look at the words of Jesus again. In Luke 17, 3, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, do what? Rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, this is similar to what Jesus instructed those who have a conflict among themselves. Or if somebody does you wrong, sins against you within the community of faith, Jesus instructs us in Matthew's gospel this way, how to deal with that. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault. Notice, between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Wow. Now, We don't really practice this in the church today. Now, you know, we, and in fact, how many of you know that believers don't gossip? Yeah, I thought you would laugh at that. No, we don't gossip in church. We share. And we share in the form of prayer requests. Would you please pray for so-and-so? They're on my last nerve. Oh, would you please, please pray for me because this person is... See, that's, that's different. But notice what Jesus says. If your brother sins against you, the first thing you do, you go to them. Now, not in this church. I was going to say Cutler, but there's people here that will tell the Cutler people I said. So, in other churches outside of our church, no. No, here too. You have people who are upset. And I'll tell you, it's happened. They'll come to me. They'll come to my wife and say, this person. And, and you know, we can't do anything unless you're willing to take the initiative. And we'll say, well, the best thing you can do is go and talk to that person. Well, no, but I think you should tell them. But... I don't have the issue. You're the one with the issue. But you want me to tell them. The problem is, it's not going to work. Because the issue's not with me and them. It's with you and them. Well, then, I'd rather not deal with it. But that's not the way of the kingdom. 
Because unresolved issues will continue to hinder and stunt our growth in our walk. They will stop us from experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus wants us to experience. We have to be willing to follow. And that means having that tough conversation. That means being willing to point out, hey, you did offend me. I need to be honest. And if your brother repents, and there's a key. Because Jesus said it there. Rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Repent. It's from two words. Meta and noeo. Meta means after. Noeo means to think. To think after. So repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. How do you know when a person has repented? When they come and say, forgive me? Not That's not the fullness. No. You know they've repented when they're sorry enough to quit. Repentance means being sorry enough. Biblical repentance. Being sorry enough to quit. When they stop that repeated unhealthy behavior that has caused the offense. Over and over again. Yeah. When that is stopped, then you know that's the fruit of repentance. And Jesus says, that's the context in which you release forgiveness to the repeated offender. Because, see, there's this faulty idea in the church that we are called to be doormats. No, we're not. Jesus here is teaching us what psychologists later would bring out, the importance of setting up healthy boundaries when dealing with people who choose not to operate in a healthy manner. This is so important that we get this. Now, the third thing that Jesus teaches us there in Luke 17 is this. We should be willing to persevere in forgiveness if the offender sincerely repents again we should be willing to persevere in forgiveness if the offender sincerely repents now let's look at each one of us how many of us have gained a handle in an area that we struggled in but yet had issues in other areas so you see A person that repeatedly offends you may honestly be changing, but there's still going to be room for change. And so when they seek forgiveness in this area and they show change, you release it. But don't be surprised if another in another area, they may offend you. But what do you do if they seek true change in that area? You forgive them for that, too. Do you see what, I'm, what Jesus is saying here? There has to be a perseverance in forgiving because we're in process. Rabbi David A. Nelson likes to tell the story of two brothers who went to their rabbi to settle a feud, which was longstanding. The rabbi got the two to reconcile their differences and shake hands. As they were about to leave, he asked each one 
to make a wish for the other in honor of the Jewish New Year. The first brother said to the other, I wish for you what you wished for me. At that, the second brother threw up his hands in the air and said, See, Rabbi, he's starting again. Some of you will get it when you get home. Now, look again at what Jesus says now in verse 4 of Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verse 4. He says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So, let's reiterate. Jesus' statement concerning forgiving someone seven times in a day is not meant to encourage and condone habitual sin. Nor is he saying that the believer must allow someone to severely mistreat or abuse him or her indefinitely. Instead, he teaches that we must maintain an attitude that is always ready to help and forgive the offender. Archbishop Desmond Tutu cited the crucifixion as his inspiration. Tutu daily lived in the shadow of apartheid. He said that the newly empowered South African blacks readily forgive their white persecutors because they followed, quote, the Jewish rabbi, who, when, when he was crucified, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Tutu continued by pointing out, if we look only to retributive justice, then we could just as well close up shop. Forgiveness is not some nebulous thing. It is practical politics. Then he concluded, without forgiveness, there is no future. Again, without forgiveness, there is no future. True account, true story of a pastor, Pastor Hayes. He was a man in his middle 40s, was well loved by his congregation and faithful to God and to his family. He enjoyed a successful ministry in an exuberantly vital growing church. Just when everything seemed to go well, be going well, a cloud came over this man and his ministry. Rumors circulated through the church that Pastor Hayes was guilty of moral misconduct. He had been seen at the house of Miss Morrow, or Morrow, a school teacher, just a few weeks before she resigned for, quote, personal reasons and moved to another city. Apparently, someone in the church put two and two together and came up with five. Pastor Hayes was innocent, but the stain of the alleged scandal could not be erased. The rumors followed Pastor Hayes for years, seriously hampering his effectiveness as a pastor. It was difficult for him to endure the rejection, mistreatment, and 
misunderstanding caused by the false rumors. But it was even more difficult for him to witness the toll of the events on his wife and his teenage son. It was 10 years later, after his son graduated from college, that Pastor Hayes learned how the hurtful rumors began. One night, a man that the pastor had not seen for years appeared at his death, at his door. Brother McLean, said Pastor Hayes in surprise, I haven't seen you in eight years, McLean supplied. It's been eight years since I left the church. McLean had been an elder in the church, but left a few months after his term expired. Pastor Hayes studied McLean's features. He looked older and something was clearly troubling him. Please come in, the pastor invited warmly. No, McLean answered quickly. I only have a few minutes to talk. I just want to tell you I was the one responsible. What? I don't. The story about you and Miss Morrow, McLean interrupted. I was the one who started it all. You? Pastor Hayes' hands and voice trembled as old emotions flooded back. But why? You knew I was innocent, didn't you? Miss Morrow left town to care for her dying father. She called me to the house the day she learned of her father's cancer. I went there to pray with her. How could you twist that into, I know. I know. Tears began to fill the other man's eyes. I was twisted, Pastor. I, I was twisted with jealousy. You see, before you came, I was a leader in the church. The previous pastor asked my advice on everything. People looked up to me. The programs I was involved in were flourishing. But when you came, a lot of people. New people came into the church. There were so many new programs and people didn't listen to my ideas anymore. The church got so big and started going in a different direction. I felt left behind. I was so angry and bitter against you. Pastor Hayes, I don't expect you to forgive me, but I just had to tell you. The pastor stepped toward the man who had deeply hurt him for ten years He wrapped his arms around Mr. McLean and embraced him. There, in the yellow glow of the porch light, McLean sobbed away years of pent-up sorrow and guilt in the arms of the man he had wronged. Pastor Hayes held him with strong arms of forgiveness and unconditional love, saying repeatedly, I forgive you, my brother. I forgive you. Remember the words of Desmond Tutu. Without forgiveness, there is no future. And I believe that because of Pastor Hayes' willingness to forgive, Mr. McLean now had a future. And the same for Pastor Hayes. What I'm saying to us, when we choose to apply Jesus' instructions, they release His life in our lives. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. But here's the thing. 
We can't move forward unless we're willing to extend forgiveness. We can't move ahead unless we're willing to extend the mercy to others that God has extended to us. I can tell you, if there's a lesson I've learned, it has been this. There have been moments in my journey when I had to make the choice, do I hold on and become paralyzed and stuck here? Or do I release and extend what God has extended to me to another? And in that, I experienced the release of his life in greater measure. I'm not denying that some of us aren't hurting because of somebody's repeated offense against our lives. But what I'm saying is don't deny yourself of the release of his working so that you can experience the unfolding of the future that he's promised for you. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for instructing us on how to deal with a repeated offender. Thank you for giving us, Lord, insight through your word how to experience fruitfulness in this area. Lord, it's a touchy area. It's an area that many times we don't want to go to. But, Lord, I've discovered that it's these areas that are sticky that really hold the keys to whether or not we're going to advance We're going to progress in our journey and our walk with you and in the unfolding of your purpose for our lives. I pray for those here today who, Lord, your word has spoken to them and they know I need, I need to extend forgiveness to someone. Somebody could be here today that through your word, You've revealed they need to be willing to take the initiative and have that honest conversation with the person who has offended them. Be willing to confront that issue because so long as it is not dealt with, they're going to be stuck where they're at. That's not your will for their lives. You want them to advance. So if you're in this building or you're watching online and you know that today God has challenged you through his word to take action, to resolve a matter, whether or not the other person is willing, as long as you take the initiative, understand the favor of God will be with you. The blessing of God will be released on your life for your willingness to follow his instruction and apply it to your life. For some of us, today's a day to say, Lord, help me to have the right attitude. Help me to operate in the opposite spirit. Help me to operate in the spirit, the mindset, the attitude that is prescribed to the precepts and principles of your kingdom found in your word help me to operate in the attitude of Christ likeness through my life 
I'm going to invite you, those of you that would say, Pastor, this word was for me. There's an area in my life that this word has shown me, given me revelation, given me understanding of. There's something in this word that I need to apply right now in my life. I want to, but I need the help of the Lord. I want to invite you forward to this front area called the altar. God is ready to help you. Or maybe in your own life, as we heard at the beginning, as Brian spoke on Isaiah 6 in opening up our service, maybe you need cleansing in your heart. Maybe you need a washing in your mind. Maybe you need to be free of guilt. You can come too. This altar's open. There's access granted into God's presence. Right now, I just want you to know that God's grace and mercy is available. God's grace and mercy is available. All you got to do is draw near to Him. He has an open invitation for you to come and experience His working. So if you want that, as this song is sung, I invite you to come and ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. To apply what you've spoken to my heart. What you've revealed in my life that I need to carry out. So that I can experience the unfolding of the future and the hope that you desire for me. I want that, Lord. I come to you. This is your moment.